What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? This is your favorite host, Jerome Boy of Deep Dish Conversations. And today, we have a epic guest, monumental. There's not too many people that I just really, truly admire uh, from afar uh, that I know has built the community work from the ground up from the mud. Um, we have the CEO, um, the mentor, uh, just an amazing spirit in person, Jaffe Judah with us today. Jaffe, how you doing, man? All is well, King. All is well. Is that man. an epic introduction or what, man? Did I hit Bruh. all the points? Arthur, I forgot to mention Arthur. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur. But that was a great introduction. Uh, you pretty much you, you got them all. You hit all the spots. Arthur, mentor, um, and also a child of God, man. Hey. They don't forget that. Definitely hey. child of God, because this has been a hell of a journey right right man right, let's get straight into it man your journey man um and i want all of the the listeners and the viewers to really tap in and pay attention because we have somebody that just has a very unique journey from where he started into where he could have could be now to where he's at actually now uh there's not so many people that that survived that ain't too mm. many people that come out of that hole um so let's talk about that man i know you know this is get straight into it man from the ages 15 to 22, you was incarcerated, man. Uh, right. Talk about that situation a little bit, man. Yeah, from the age of 15 to 22, I was, uh, I, I did like a year. I did like three months in juvenile. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, the rest of the time in county jail. Some of the time in county jail, then I did the remainder of my time in the penitentiary. Right. So what ended up happening was I ended up um, robbing this pawn shop and I shot the owner. and. In the case, in the in the in the in the, after that happened, they ended up finding some stuff uh, from my previous year when I was 14 that I had did, and they had booked me for that as well. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting 12 years in total, but I was facing like 30. That was the max. That was they said like if I was to take the trial and if I was to lose, the maximum sentence I could receive is 30 years. 30 piece. So um, I ended up signing for 12, and you know just. Going through that was like almost like unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was like at that age, you know, it was it was like every day I felt like I felt like this ain't real. This ain't real. This ain't real. This ain't real. Like every day because like you go from I literally went like from elementary school, middle school, locked up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. no I ain't, sports, no I played sports for one year. I played uh football for one year. Okay. And uh my mom wouldn't let me keep playing sports because I kept getting in trouble. Right, right. And uh like really once, no no like no yeah, teenage, no going to yeah. teen parties, none, none of that. None of that, bro. Like like I, I like I didn't lose my virginity until I got twenty until I turned twenty two. Until I came out of penitentiary. Like I never Straight to it. <laughs> for real, bro. Like I never had the opportunity to like understand what love is. I never had the right. opportunity to truly like um just take those steps. As, as a boy going to a man right. and, and those experiences of prom, college, right. your first love, right. all those different things. So, like, it kind of molded me to be, you know, closed off to the world. It kind of molded me to be, like, 
everybody's against me. Right. Um, until, you know, I started the self-healing process. Man, um, I'm going to backtrack even a little bit more, man. Um, Jaffe, Nashville native. I am from the east side. From the east side. 1619 Ramsey Street is where we started, baby. I done been in Madison, Gillisville. I done been all over Tennessee, you feel me? I've been all over Nashville, Tennessee, as far as living. But uh, I'm definitely east side native. East be balling, all that. That part. (laughs) Bro, I remember, bro, them was the days. Them was the days. And so, like, so, leading up to, like, the age of 15 and you, you know what I'm saying, you know, doing your first juvenile bid and all that, Man, how was your, how was growing up, how, what, you know what I'm saying, what was the, the, the people around you like, um, you know? Um, the people like family, around me. household. My, well, my, my pops, my pops died when I was like 13. Hmm. And my mom, she was a single mom, she lived. Um, me, and, me and my mom, we lived together, my brother. And I also have five sisters. But my sisters, they lived with my pops right. when he was alive and their mom. Right. Me and my brother, we stayed with my mom. And we have different daddies, but just growing up, I would say it was like regular because I didn't know no, I didn't know nothing else. Right. But I would say it was like I was around a lot of. Uh, it's like I was around three different types of people. I was around dope boys and gangsters, right. you know, that was family and friends, and I was around professional people right. um, with bachelor degrees, and I was right. also around the people who was like in a little bit of both. Right. You get what I'm saying? So it was like I had a lot of different experiences coming up as a child. And that made me very inquisitive, you know, you know, as I got older. So right. I started to, you know, uh, get involved with a little bit more things. Right. To try to speed up the process. Right. Um, to get to some money. <laughs> right, right. And that's, <laughs> hey, hey, I hear that, man. And because, you know, like, I, you know, when, you, when you're coming up, you come up with less than, less than others. Right. So you would think when you come up with less than others, you know, it kind of motivates you to, to, want to be better or want to be the best or right. not have to struggle you right. get what i'm saying in a right. way in a way that you're willing to risk your life right you know what i'm saying right um and you see everybody around you getting it or you right. see people that look like you doing certain things uh to get to the money and so right. you may view that as oh man maybe so this is these are my options these is right. you know i can't really do too much else i don't really see nothing that seems available to me mm-hmm. you know and so maybe let me go this route then. Right. And, and like, as I got older, I, you know, seeing my mom cry at the table and seeing my, you know, the way that certain people in my family would treat my mother right. because she had the lack thereof, you know, just dealing with funny family members and dealing with life, bro. It's like, you get to a point, even as a youth, you like, something's got to change. And right. if, if moms can't do it, who's going to do it? Right. And it's like, either you take on that responsibility for yourself or you just don't. Right. And I was one of the people who did. And, you know, um, it, it, it just, it just, it just, it was just something I, I couldn't take seeing my mom struggle like it. It right. just hurt me so, like, it hurts me so bad. You know right. what I'm saying? So, like. Shout out to mama. Shout out to moms, bro. Like, for real. Yeah. You know, like, man, my mama know pretty much everything about me. Every, everything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have a great relationship. And uh, I'm, like, real blunt, straightforward, everybody. Right. So, like. Right. Very transparent. Very transparent, <laughs> bro. Like, I, I, you know. That's some, the best way to be, man. Sometimes. Like, you don't know. Sometimes. Because, like, you can be. I, I tell people, like, you can't be real enough in right. this world. Right. You could be so real and still be fake. You right. know what I'm saying? So, it's like, you can't be real enough. But right. I, I'm just the type of person where, you know. The only approval I'm seeking for is God's approval. Right. Every day I wake up, the only approval I'm seeking for is God's approval, bro. And, and as long as I'm I'm doing right, you know, 
by the principles of the universe, right. there's no way I feel like personally that I could do wrong right. towards my people. Right. You feel me? Well, as long as I'm walking in the light, image, and likeness thereof. Right. Man, doing that, that stint, man, because there's not too many people, and even myself, they can't relate to being incarcerated, especially mm -hmm. as a youth. You know, I did my little juvenile, you know, got to be right. booked for 24 hours, and the same people to push you, they got to come pick you, up, pick you up, your mom or your Thanks. daddy, right? So I did about three or four of those, right? Just because Thanks. you know how it is going. Up. Just, just do stuff in your mom. I call the police, go ahead and take them. Right. right? And so, so outside of that, me personally, I can't. I can't relate, and I'm pretty sure many people that's watching this can't relate to being, you know, caged up as a youth all the way For until, real. you know, your, you know, early 20s, right? Yeah. And talk about that process because I know you're into mentorship, mm -hmm. um, and I know you're always trying to reach back out to youth, especially black boys. Facts. And there's maybe some 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 young man that's watching this that may be straddling the fence, like, ah, oh, I'm not willing to take this risk. Man, what can you, how, what can you say to them by speaking on your situation? Um, of going through that time, being encaged, man, and what you learned and some of the things you might have saw and things that, you know, helped you realize, like, oh, this, this clearly is not for me. When I get out, I got to start that healing process. Or maybe you started that healing process while you was encaged. Right. So that's a, that's a, very, um, that's a very meaty question. Right. But yeah. I'm going to try to hit out on points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that that was what it was like. The process of that was... Uh, the process was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, it was it was a hard process, but it was like you had to be very strategic. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was a, it was seeing things like while I was inside, you know, and I started the healing process while I was inside. And I would say the healing process really started when I was 19. Once I was 19 and I, and I stopped, game banging and I started to notice how certain game bangers, bro, like when I started seeing and started hearing men have sex, when I started hearing men have sex, that was like, nah, this right. ain't it, bro. Right. Like I'm in the cell and like I hear me and I hear moaning, first of all. Right. And it's like one AM in the morning, you wake up and you'll say you like, who the fuck is moaning in jail? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what you I don't know if I can curse nah, you. Go ahead. Nah, but nah, nah, uh, you good. That's what. That's the first thought. I'm like, who the hell is moaning? Right, right. And I'm like, oh my god. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, right. and it's like, hearing things like that, seeing dudes like 40, 50, they still game banging, like tough. You know right, what I'm saying? I'm right. like, this is cool to you, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, bro, like this is what's cool to you, right? And and having the conversations, having like the conversations with um, unhealthy friends, right. you know, kind of like motivated me to want to heal myself because right. like. You know, having a competition of how many people can you kill is not something that I look forward to. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that I even want my, my kids or the youth to embrace. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, when you in there, it's like, and you in war zone, you, you think about your stripes. Right. You feel right. me? So it's like my soul started to become depleted mm. and dehydrated. You know right. what I'm saying? And it was like once I was able to get to a space while well, I was brave enough to embrace knowledge of self right. and, 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 and apply that knowledge um, and apply certain teachers and principles to my life to help improve my position, um, it, really, it really wasn't until then that I started to create plans. I started to write a book. Right. I started to write my book when I was on the inside. Right. And uh, I've actually 
written eight books, but I've only published one to this day so hey, far. Y'all make sure y'all go check that Volume out. Volume one. Black Blood. Volume two is coming soon, and that's going to be like a self-help book because I actually want to focus on my volume two will be about um, giving people the proper tips that they need right. when re-entering society. Okay. Because I feel like that's a book, if I could read any book, that's the book I wanted to read the most. Right. Because, like, you know, once I got out, bro, it was a whole different ball game, bro. They had FaceTime. <laughs> FaceTime blew my mind, bro. Like, we were still on flip phones. Right. You know what I'm saying? We was the- Motorola, right? Motorola. Yeah. Like, when I got locked up, the thing that was popping was a Blackberry. Mm-hmm. When I got out of prison, bro, they was calling me on my FaceTime. I said, what's that? I love it. And I love it. I, I will never get rid of my iPhone. And so, and it just speaks to like everything that you, that you miss and like you, you, time is literally just kind of standing still while you're in cage and everybody else is moving on. Yeah. Man, um, I was watching something, it was on YouTube, I can't remember who said it, but the phrase was, gangs are anti-black. How you feel about that statement? Gangs are anti-black. Well, in order for me to truly give you like a deep or give you the proper response, I'll have to know more behind that. Right. But just off hearing it from right. just um, that phrase. Just that phrase. Yeah. Gangs are what? Anti-black. anti-black. Um what and that I- what that basically means to me is that you're gonna have to go outside of your your like you're gonna have to go outside of what you think you know about being black. Right and learn what isn't taught about being black right. or learn what isn't not so attractive about being black right which can sometimes make people think oh, you don't care about black folks right for example like if you choose to start eating healthy you got people who will be like well you don't need to eat too healthy <laughs> like what? what does that even mean like what does that even mean bro like you don't want to eat too many vegetables like how do you not like like right. that type of stuff so right. it's like it'll almost you know, I don't want to take it too deep, but that's what that kind of that statement me. I'm saying deep, this is deep. This conversation, true brother. That. We got we to true deep that. As you want to as deep as they can handle. <laughs> <laughs> true that. You know, I think I. You know, like, like to to gangs can be anti-black in a way that you know. And just to give you some context behind that, mm-hmm. that conversation because we we in this kind of you know we always in a black empowerment movement, but you know it can be in heightened depending on what's going Facts. on. And so the gen, I can't remember the guy. I think he was from like California because he was talking about gangs and stuff. And he was saying how gangs, pretty much how they currently are, kind of go against you know black empowerment, black movement, yeah. on how they set up, what's going on now. We know kind of the intentions were when they originated, but where they are now, how they development, right. how they've developed is very anti-black to progression and you know, kind of moving out of being oppressed. And a lot of that, you know, I would say, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't really more so the gangs. It's kind of how the United States, you know, socially engineered, you know, um, mm-hmm. the black experience that we mm-hmm. had today in a right. lot of ways, right? right. Therefore, a lot, that's how you get gangs, right? In, right. A, in many ways. But that's kind of the context of uh, kind of um, how that question, or how that phrase was brought up as saying, you know, uh, gangs are anti-black. And I, and I, that's a great way. I love the way you worded that. Um, you, said, you said social what? Social engineer. Socially engineered. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was trying to say. Because, yeah. like, the way that society, social to social, the way that society is set up, bro, it's like, man, it's like when you go into projects, bro, you helping people. It's like, they look at you strange. Like, right. why, why, you, why you picking up trash? Right. Why you... Uh, why are you why are you passing out food? And it's like why why do I need a reason to do good, bro? Like 
why do I need a reason to be a man? Like this it, is a this is. You know what I had to realize personally, is that you know, we've been oppressed for so long, mm-hmm. and sometimes we confuse culture with intelligence. You know, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. just because like this is like our culture, this is what we see, this is what, this is all we know. We don't have any other perspective. So right. when you have somebody like yourself that's just doing something abnormal, right, mm-hmm. to us or to that community, you get questioned because yeah. it's not popular, it's not cool. That's like like you picking up trash instead of like trash and stuff, like right. right. And so and so and I don't I don't you know I don't blame it on on, on our, our culture. And I say our culture specifically black folks. Because we've been, you know, we've been so uh, oppressed, and you know, we, you know, many of us are descendants of slaves, and you know, we, you know, yes. we, we've come so a long way, man. We still, many of us are still the first of, of our generation to do many stuff. Either Facts. first to travel abroad, the first Facts. to start a business, the Facts. first that you know, not go to prison or whatever it may be, uh, or the, the the first to re re, you know, correct the life. You know, so not, it's not going things. to prison is like. <laughs> man bro that's why yeah but, yeah yeah and, and, but you know and again yeah. that's something i can't speak to personally but that's why i like having people like yourself a part of this deep this conversations because yeah you know from where you started i could have easily been in that because of just how i grew up as well right Facts. here in nashville mm-hmm. and been able to just stay in the lane and and, and prevent myself being Facts. caught <laughs> being, being caught with it's, and it's things. easy to be enticed yeah, yeah it's easy to be enticed and especially when you don't have any other representation or any, right. anybody doing anything else so that's why i like having people like yourself man a party type of conversations because you can speak directly to many audiences uh that's been through your situation or maybe not aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and here you are today got a book doing mentorship giving back in your community in many ways and like and i, I really want to say this to the listeners Jaffe, when I say from the, you can't get no more from the ground up than Jaffe in my in my case, man. I, you know, and for those who don't know, you know, I've only been back in Nashville a year. You know, I've been abroad, I've been in man, Costa Rica, I've been in China. It seemed longer, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's been a few people that I've been noticing and been in contact. Like, man, they 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 they, they ain't waiting for nobody to help them, nah. to help their community. They put in the work, yeah. right? And so. That's why I admire you so much, man, because it's not too many people that start off at 15 years old, you know, being in cage all up until 22 and come out doing what you do. I don't know anybody. I not I don't I don't know personally. I don't really know anybody. And if you're viewing you watching this, you know, somebody tag them because uh, I love to talk to them as well. But I don't know. I don't know many of them, anybody. Yeah. You know, we had Raheem Buford on here. This situation was like kind of similar being in cage but he, he did had 20, life yeah he, he had did 20 20, 20 yeah. i think he did 26. yeah actually yeah. i know his uh man you know what i know his family bro um man me and his family is like real cool but right. shout out to Raheem. yeah shout out to Raheem. Yeah. yeah check out his uh episode too he was a guest on here um he doing yeah, some major stuff man major stuff man and so it's not so man people like you and raheem and i just think it's very unique individuals and special individuals that people need to know more about and y'all need just as many platforms as possible to talk about y'all story into what y'all are doing now um and to get into what you're doing now man like man <laughs> but that's, that's just, what i'm that's not just, doing yeah now. what are you not doing now man and so i'm a, so in this the is, streets that's right. what i'm not doing and i'm so, not in the streets i'm gonna tell y'all how me and joffrey originally met we met at monroe harden uh wow we did yeah, we met a more yeah. hard and i was doing youth tutoring on the education side and he was coming in doing a spoken word doing writers workshops 
mm-hmm. um, with the uh, with the youth at Monroe Hard, in which they don't have that program no more. They don't. Um, they don't. And so that's how we connected, man. That was it had to be two fifteen. That was, that was about 16. four years ago. Yeah, so yeah. it was a while back, and so that's how we connected. So, man, that's 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 why I remember him seeing doing that stuff the way he at now, and the author. And um, I, that's when I was like, you know what? I think I was like out. I was out for like a year and a half. Wow. And I was I was mentoring. Wow. And now, you know what? That is so beautiful because the way that I got into mentoring is honestly through music. Let's talk about it. Dude, let's, talk, let's, let's, music. Let's, let's talk about how like you 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 you've been able to liberate yourself and help others liberate themselves through your music, man. Mm-hmm. Through your poetry. Um a mantra that I have is you can either be powerful or be pitiful. Mm-hmm. And I tell that to, you know, the people that I encounter, especially kids, because man, I got into mentoring through music with um, through uh, through uh, Ron Johnson of the Real Program, shout out to Ron Johnson of the Real Program. I was um, I think I had just came from church with my uncle, uh, Straight Elaine, off Jefferson, and I had walked into uh, Key Belong on Jefferson the bookstore, right. and I had seen Ron Johnson, and I was promoting my my latest single at the time, One Occasion, and. He he was like, you know, uh, one occasion, he was like, what, what's, what's the song about? And I told him, he was like, man, you'd be a great person. You'd, you'd be a great mentor. And I right. was like, I don't know about all that. Right. He was like, uh, he was like, well, what if you come down and perform for the kids and just see where it goes? And I was right. like, all right, bet. I had never performed before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I went to the event, performed. Man, juveniles and teenagers came up to me. I don't want to call them juveniles, but teenagers came up to me and they was like, man, you know, what is AM life? You know, what is, uh, what is AM life? What is, you know, where you from? And, you know, because, like, my style was so different. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. my style was so different with the music. And um, from there, I just stayed in touch with them. And we built personal relationships. So I, w- I was mentoring, but I wasn't, like, working for nobody. Right. I was just in their lives. Right. You get what I'm saying? On right. my own time. Right. So, um, and from there, working with them got me, landed me a job mentoring. Mm. From them, from people just talking about me, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, the right people, you know what I'm saying? Right. They was like, well, Jaffa, they was like, well, let's see if he can teach in workshops and do classes. So I got hired by, uh, I got hired by Southern Word and, uh, I've been involved with juvenile detention centers and, 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 and group homes and prisons, you know, ever since. Look, we eating this good pizza. Got Joffy here. How you feeling about the pizza, Joffy? Amazing. Amazing. Come to Geno's. Check us out. Deep Dish Conversations. Tell them Jerome and Joffy sent you. Thanks. J&J. <laughs> so, oh. Uh, Bye. Right, we just, we just, this piece is good, y'all. Y'all gotta come check it out. Check out Geno's. It's hitting, it's busting. The conversation can be over right now. (laughs) Man. We done. But, um, man, you was talking about your mentorship and everything, man. So you, you from transitioning to healing, getting out, music, music led to mentorship, man, and that just kind of propelled you into, to Mm -hmm. like everything that you are now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, that you um, doing now? They really, yes, because it wasn't until 
um, I started to mentor with the kids from the real program that really motivated me and, and, and mentor and the juveniles that really motivated me to start my own program, which right. is Recycle Reinvest. Let's talk about it. So Recycle Reinvest is a nonprofit organization and we provide community cleanups in low, uh, and we provide community cleanups pretty much in the slums, but in low poverty areas, as well as provide recycle pickups to encourage um, proper, to encourage recycling habits. Right. You get what I'm saying? Which is not, you know, advocated enough in our, in black no. communities specifically. It's, it, right, because, you know, studies have shown that the, 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 the smaller amount and the less amounts of trash and litter in your breezeways and playground areas and just neighborhood in general, you, it reflects a lower crime rate. It reflects wow. a positive attitude and mental state um, in that person and within that community. You get what I'm saying? So, and this is something that I live by. So, right. like, you know, I make sure I, I'm a very clean person. I'm a right. very, I'm a very meticulous person. You know, after being in that shithole for right. so long, you know. Right. Um, and once I came out and and got involved with different people and got involved with uh with my family who also has their own nonprofit called From the Heart Foundation, From the Heart Education Foundation, um, motivated me to want to start my own program and, and create initiatives for the youth right. that could help develop their minds right. to be a more um, green, you know, right. be more green, to, put, to be earth first, right. you know, and everything that you do from the way that you eat, Right. To the clothes that you wear, right. to the way that you interact with people, right. you get what I'm saying. Man, I have a, I have a. It was, a, it was a funny moment then, but it was really embarrassing in, um, in hindsight. And I did Peace Corps, and that was my first abroad experience. And you know, people who might not know about Peace Corps, Peace Corps is like, um, it's through through the U.S. government, but you go volunteer mm -hmm. abroad, you know, for 24 months. Um, out of the United States, but you do different sectors. They got like health, they got like community economic development, education, uh, youth development. They got different sectors is depending on kind of like what you've been involved in, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was community economic development, man. We was in training. And uh, so you got all these people that's coming from a lot of, a lot of majority of them white, right? And so they coming from all these areas and more suburban. They more they 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 just have a perspective and things that I just haven't guarded at the time. Right. Uh, and so, man, I would buy these Pringles all the time, man, because this is my first time abroad. So I'm just trying to identify with everything I can eat that I might like, right? Facts. So Pringles, I'm killing the Pringles. Right? Facts. And I'm throwing the Pringles in the trash bottle, right? At this time, like, and I'm 20, 24, I still don't really know much about recycling or being green. Or just nevertheless caring about it, right? Because again, I ain't growing up around that. I'm not. I'm, I got right. enough shit to worry about than to worry about what um, what can to throw my trash in. You know, I ain't. I got too much to worry about. It could right? be overwhelming. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Especially if you just got. You know, you just when you, you just not if you don't really understand it or really conceptualize the importance of it. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. man, uh, we was doing some type of training activity, man, and um, somebody started using my Pringle bottles. Uh, to like make like small like gardens out of right or something like that. Wow. And it was like a health volunteer or something okay. like that, right? And so um, somebody asked me like a question about uh, like recycling or something like that, man. That it was funny then to me, but now it's really embarrassing, man. I was like, man, I don't give a fuck about no recycling. No, no, like it was like 
Because I was I just so, it, my right. mindset was just so like it was just it was just so immature. Like about it. for like, what? what? For what? Right, right. I guess what? So and so, man. Uh, so everybody that's listening, recycle. You know. Yes. <laughs> even <laughs> even if man. you're recycling just aluminum, right. you know. Even if you're just because some people feel like they should recycle because they don't get a benefit from it. Right. Recycle aluminum. You could transfer it in the cage. Right. You know. It's, it's different ways you can go about recycling. And recycling is not something I grew up with myself. Right. It's something that, you know, as I matured in my life, I became interested in it right. naturally, right. you know. Because right. um, I recycle myself at home. I mm. save bottle caps. Because, you know, the bottle caps on the top of uh, plastic bottles really can't be recycled. They just go back to the landfill. Right. Um, but the actual bottle can be recycled, can be recycled right. you know. Um, so it's like... It's little things like that that you have. It's little things that you have to learn. But I will say, you know, just being conscientious or being right. conscious, making conscientious choices and being aware of what you're doing and right. what you're buying and why right. you're buying it, right. how it affects your body, right. you know, how this affects how this affects the world by right. getting, you know, is it, excuse me, going to the landfill right. or is it something that can be repurposed? Right. Because my life has been all about repurposing, mm, reducing, right, reusing. Right. That's my whole life. Is I, I'm a minimalist, minimalist at heart. Hey, man, you better not get too you deep know, on this, man. I, you, I'm don't a, get too deep on. I'm a minimalist at heart. I mean, now, when I was growing up, white people told me I was broke. Right. But in actuality, we were just minimalists. Right. You get what I'm saying? Because a minimalist is just someone who used the minimum. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's all I ever had. <laughs> so, so... You know, and Man, I never most of us facts. You <laughs> right, know what I'm saying? Right. But I feel like we have to, we have to take control of the narratives. You right. know what I'm saying? And once you can take control of the narrative, you could tell them a story that right. they need to really hear. And a part of that is representation, right? Yes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that our youth and people inside the black community, outside the black community, is seeing somebody that look like you coming in and want to do something positive like clean up because when they see somebody that look like you or I they ain't like they ain't coming to pick up my trash it's like oh they coming to put trash in my community right and so it's good man that, that you're doing that because we need that representation and it's important right and, and and I always I like to just think about man we can't wait for nobody else to clean up our communities we gotta do it ourselves right and so I man I, mm -hmm. like I said man I really admire you and appreciate the just I'm not waiting for nobody attitude. I feel like that's where we go wrong. Yeah. Waiting on people. Right. Because when you wait on other people to come and do something that you should have did, it gives them the authority to take what you what already belong to you. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. You know, like they always people always complain about where well, you got this and you got that. People come to the community, they right. they shut up. Right. Well, you know, you, what you, are you doing? But you know but you know, you know my slogan though for community changes is change yourself. Change your community, change, change your world. Yes, bro. And so, man, I really, I really live by that, man. And that's why, you know, I don't wait for nobody or, or hope or put no faith in nobody to do something I can do myself. Now, if somebody Thanks. helps and assists, that's a blessing on top of a blessing. But I'm not putting right. all my eggs in that basket. I'm not putting all my, my faith in that one individual, two individuals that may or might not, you know what I'm saying, give me the support or, um, you know, do something for my community that I can start working towards myself. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, you inspire others to want to be a part of that, which I know you have mm -hmm. recycling via vest. Because when I see it, man, it's teams of people going to these right, movies, right. It started out by myself, right. Um, I started. I was, you got, that's how you got bro, it. Like, if, you, if, you, if you're not willing to do it, you can't ask nobody else to do it. Thanks, bro. Because right. I was literally in the projects, bro, picking up trash, and they was like, "What's this nigga doing?" <laughs> 
<laughs> bro, they was there like, what is he doing? Right. And, you know, like, it just grew. It just grew. And people right. was like, oh, that's Jaffe. Right. You know, the nigga that be picking up trash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like, my cousin tell me, like, bro, cuz I heard you out there picking up trash. You on probation. I thought you was off parole. Right, right. I'm like, I'm just doing it because I want to do it. Because I felt like I was a person who right. wanted to give back, but Beautiful. I didn't have nothing to give. So the most cost-effective way that I can help people is by helping the earth. Man, and, and that's where a lot of people feel like they have to be able to have money to give back. And I right. say this all the time. It can be as big as, you know, donating or building a school or as, as small but still as effective as just picking up your trash in your community. Facts, and I'm bro. telling you, as you as you are a perfect witness, people will notice. People will want to be a part because they know, too, in their heart, like this is something that the community needs. They were just waiting for you to do it. Facts. They were just waiting for you to lead so they can follow. Facts. There's a quote that says, uh, if, you see, if you see nobody doing if you see nobody doing it, then that means it's up to you. To, it's up to you to do it. Hey, I, man, hey. Yeah. A, a few people can change uh, the community of many. So it's Facts. like, what are you waiting for, right? Facts, bro. And so uh, how can people, if they want to be a part of those community cleanups, how can they, what, what's, like, what's, the, what's the protocol? Like, say, whether it's, you know, a classroom at a school, you know, they want to be a part of that, mm-hmm. or just somebody's like, hey, I want, I want to, hey, I live in a community that needs this. How can I coordinate? What can we do uh, to make that happen? So right now what you could do is go to www.recycle.reinvest, uh, recycle, reinvest, not the name of the company is Recycle and Reinvest, but the name of the website is Recycle Reinvest. No and, no nothing right there. www.recyclereinvest.org. And you can go on there to sign up for workshops. You can sign up for opportunities to mentor. You can sign up uh, opportunities to clean. Right. Um, or you just you can sign up for tornado relief because we also help with the tornado. Right. Um, yeah, just go on the website and then um, go to our uh, Get Involved page and right. it'll, it'll get you set up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody to go check out uh, recycle reinvest.org and sign your community up sign yourself up yes um because we're about to really we're really about to expand right and uh we're, we're really about to go hard with it put it that way hey, shout like, out to 200 man stand oh we really we about to put this thing together man we gotta get them on here too this is fyi we gotta we gotta make that connection to get them on here um Let's talk about this book, man. I want, I want, I want, I wanted to say this uh, for the for the last part, man. Again, y'all get it on Amazon, Amazon Prime. They they ship it straight to you. Mm-hmm. Um, support. I bought it. This wasn't free. This is my this is my copy. So he ain't taking this back home with him. Or this is my copy. Um, what you know? I know you told me you start you started writing this. Uh, while you was you know kind of locked up in, in cage, mm-hmm. man. And now here you here you have you say eight. You I wrote eight, eight and mm-hmm. this is the first one. Right. Man, um, what was that process like, man, putting this, like, this first volume together? And uh, what Boy, do you want people to get from it? The process was a, um, man, it was a long process, put it that way. <laughs> it took me 10 years to publish Ooh. that first book because... You know, I didn't write. I didn't write with intentions of completing a book. Right. I was simply writing mm-hmm. as a form of releasing my thoughts. Right. You feel me? Right. Like journaling. Journaling. Right. Right. So it really wasn't until I got out and got around mentors that was like, "Bro, this is a book." And they was just reading all my stuff. They was like, "Bro, this is a book." Right. I was like, "How?" Oh. 
He was like, bro, this is a book, bro. Right. So I would say the process was very long. What was the other half of that question? Um, the process and what do you want people to get What I want people to get, get from, from this. From the book. And what I want people to get from this book is that being powerful is controlling your narrative and making the steps that others will never see. Mm. So, you know, what I mean by that is this book is going to outlive me. But I didn't write the book so I can, you know, hey, I wrote a book. I didn't do it for that. I wrote the book so I can inform others and hopefully that will improve their life. Right. The, you know, my goal was to inform you so you can improve. Right. You know, that's, that's, really, that's really my biggest goal. I just want to be able to inform people because what you have in the book is, excuse me, not only is it poetry, but the nines. The nines is like, uh, the nines is like an introduction to mm -hmm. the self-help and the reentry. Mm -hmm. um, part in volume two, because the nines, the nines are principles, a code of ethics that I follow right. that keep me maintained, that, that, that allow me to be able to live and maintain. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. So, and then after you read the code of ethics, the nines, you get to the poetry. Right. And you get to see, you know, a little bit of, of poetry like RBG, Rise, Bill, Go, Grow, um, also, my new EP is out. Go check that out, RBG on iTunes. Um, then you get to the to the pictures, you know. And some of these pictures, I, I had a phone in the pen in the prison. I seen the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they look like they look like pictures from 05, hey, On me, bro. I swear, when I was on the inside, I was like, "Cuz, take a picture of me," because I was like, "Man, bro, I feel like one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be some big." Right. You feel me? And then uh, you know. <laughs> my uncle, he was like, I sent a picture of my uncle. That's how I was able to keep it for so long. Right. But my uncle, he was like, what the hell are you in there doing with cell phones, bro? We trying to get you out. You out here, you tripping. Violations. I, yeah, I'm like, man, I said, bro, I don't care no more, bro. Right. I need a phone. <laughs> I'm about to go crazy, right, bro. Right, right. I got to tap into that. I got to tap in, in, bro. I'm about to go crazy, bro. Like, I'm about to just go crash out, bro. This is, like, terrible. But anyway... Um, yeah, man. So it took me 10 years to write my first book and it's only the beginning, man. Right. It's really only the beginning because like, although I, you know, manufactured those books on the inside, you know, they have to right. still go through the editing, revising. Right. So, cause like I wrote like 200 poems. Right. Only like 30 made it to the book. Right. This first one. The first book. Yeah, the first book. Right. 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 So right. like, yeah, this is, this is the first one. And then this is like, man, it's not over. Man. I promise it ain't. Hey. It ain't over, and again, I hope people, I hope people really listening and tapping in. And we can't, you know, just because of time, you know, we can't, we can't go in deep, 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 deep. But I encourage everybody to uh, reach out to Jaffe, um, you know, after you watch this segment, because you know this is a powerful person, a powerful brother, a powerful human being that we have. And part of this deepest conversation is to allow people to be able to reach out and 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 be a part of their journey. Um, and what they doing, you know, in the community, um, and just reach out to talk, you know. Um, Jaffe is very approachable, is very open, and uh, he'll talk to anybody, and, and, and definitely join him on one of those community cleanups for sure. Yes. How can people reach out to you personally if they want to talk, if they want to, you know, hear more of your story? I know you do guest um, speaking engagements and all of that stuff, man. So how can people reach out to you personally, and uh, 
and get you booked or something, or just you know, you can help you in some type of way. From you can go to uh, you can United Masters, Ross Jaffe Judah. Um, excuse me. Email. That piece is too good. He, Man. Can't, he can't even talk. Piece is messing up his speech. Right? It's like, <clears throat> I'm going to say it, though. Uh, you hit the email, blackbloodbooktour at gmail.com. That's black, B-L-K, blood, B-L-O-O-D, book, B-O-O-K, tour, T-O-U-R, at gmail.com. Um, Instagram, Instagram is everything is Ross Jaffe Judah or written by Jaffe Judah. Or you just hit the Google Jaffe Judah and you'll, you'll Google, Google Google me. You can literally Google it. You did, I, I'm literally like the only person right. in this world, Jaffe Judah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that, hey I'm, you, you yeah. are the only one. I'm man. the only you one. You're the only one, man. One of one. Facts. And uh, I'm glad, man, that you was able to to join me, man, and have this uh, deep dish conversation, man. And I, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you and thank and, you, bro. This hey, is a blessing. Thank you, man. Hey, hey. Y'all tap in. Wish you much, much, much more pizza slices. Hey, <laughs> hey if people know I'm crazy, I'm a pizza connoisseur. Look, I'm telling you, I'm gonna have my own pizza shop some one day. It's coming soon. But uh, look, I want to thank all of you all for watching and tuning in. Again, thank you, Jaffe Judah. Thank you. You know, and uh, y'all uh, check us out. Check out Jaffe. Tap in. Reach out and uh, keep eating pizza because it's great and nothing goes wrong when pizza's involved, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to continue eating and talking, but y'all got to go. Blessings for it. <laughs>